You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. We are entering into what may be one of the most interesting months in our country's history, in our lifetime. What may be the month that requires the most shaking as well. Because we know that through this shaking, the Lord is removing the gray so that there's only light and dark. There's only black and white. There's only His kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. There's no more in-between any longer. And we're entering into a month where I feel like we're we're peaking a little bit. Um, even, even now, as we, as we see the rise again, this, this new wave of, of the pandemic in, in our own backyard, of, of how, it's, how it's growing, and uh, it's, it's, it's election month, and uh, the, the 2020, which has been quite a year, is, is coming to a close. We've got a lot going on. Go ahead and turn with me to Ezekiel. 47. I want to read to you before I, I give you this reminder from the Lord. We'll be in Ezekiel 47, verse 1. And this is, this is prophecy. This is a vision that we're going to read. In verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east from the temple faced for the temple faced east the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple south of the altar then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east and behold the water was trickling out on the south side going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand the man measured a thousand cubits And then he led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, as I, as, and as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the waters flow into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the water goes. Now we know that the river is the Spirit of God that Jesus came to make a way for. He came to establish a way that we could have a relationship again with God, with the presence of God, and that the presence of God could dwell in us as we were created for 
originally in the garden. We were always meant to be vessels of the Spirit of God. And Jesus came to make a way. He said it was necessary for him to leave that he could send the helper. It was necessary for him to leave that the Holy Spirit could come and then lead us in life as it led Jesus in three years of ministry. And that we could be reconciled back to him and we could be given this ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world back to himself. And when the children of God walk in obedience, we are those trees rooted in this river. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second. But we, the children of God, remaining in this flow of the Spirit that comes from the the throne of God and flows when we remain rooted in it, abiding in it, walking in obedience. We are those trees rooted in the river, yielding fruit. Turn with me to John 4. We'll be in verse 7. We know this story well. We've been taught it well. Verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water, came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered her, Everyone who who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirstier or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, 
so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. This living water we know is the Holy Spirit. And we have, as, as, he, as he talks about in John 15, we have this ability now to abide in this river, to remain in this river. And it's, as, as we've been taught and as we've talked about, remaining in this river, remaining in the will of God is like existing in God's backyard. It's, it's existing in the purpose that he has created you for. I know that my phone serves a purpose. It has instructions. It is made for specific tasks. A flotation device is not one of those tasks. A boat, an airplane, that is not what it is made for. And if I try to use it for that, it will fail miserably. We were made to exist within the will of God, period. You were created with purpose, but that purpose is only found in that living water, which is the Holy Spirit, which when we are remaining in that Holy Spirit, we find ourselves in the will of God. And we know that just as a child playing and running free in your own backyard, as your own children, as they grew up, would play and run and enjoy being in their backyard and all the toys that they had and all the different things they could do, they had freedom there to exist in those parameters. But the second they left, they were outside of your will. You knew that. That's a very easy example for us to, to go to. And it's the same for us. When we leave that backyard, we are no longer operating in the way God had created us to operate in. We find ourselves in bondage when we leave that backyard. Because for freedom, he set us free to exist in the will of God. And to have freedom in the will of God. Freedom is a person. You can't have freedom without Jesus. Jesus is freedom. So if you don't have Jesus, you don't have freedom. So making a choice to leave the backyard is to leave Jesus. Therefore, it's to leave freedom. So this living water is that Holy Spirit that we get to remain in. This river that we get to remain in that we would not thirst because we have our purpose. I see a world that is very thirsty. We've talked about this before. The Lord revealed to me the reason we see anxiety, the reason we see depression in such great links and such great magnitude that we see it right now is that there is a generation that is absent purpose. There is a group of people that for freedom, they are making these free choices, but freedom in the soul is not freedom. Freedom in the spirit of God is freedom. But freedom in the soul is not freedom. But they're pursuing freedom for the sake of freedom and what they're finding is bondage. They are finding themselves so entangled and so lost with absolutely no direction. And that's a scary feeling. I remember in college when I was not walking with the Lord, but I, I had the privilege of growing up in church and I was saved at an early age. But in the Lord's pursuit of me, when I was not walking with him, he gave me a vision of myself hanging by a noose in complete and total darkness. And I had anxiety. Because I, everywhere I looked, I was in darkness and there was no way to leave it. I'm telling you, that's what it feels like. It feels like that moment of Peter sinking in the water. But looking and there was no boat to turn to. There was no Jesus to call out for. You're just slowly sinking 
But we, knowing the Holy Spirit, get to live in this living water. We get to abide and remain in this river. Now, again, I'll have you go to Isaiah 58. Let's go ahead and keep this bookmark for the entirety of my being pastor here because this will be the vision that the Lord has called this place into. But in verse 11, And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. A spring of water whose waters do not fail. Now we, we understand water in a different way living in West Texas. We understand the preciousness of it. Um, that's why even though there's freezing rain coming, there's moisture coming. So praise God, because we're good with moisture. It's going to be miserable for a couple days, but we're, we're grateful for moisture. But you know that if there is a source of water that is pouring out, if it goes into many little directions and it spreads out into all these little directions, all these little trickles of direction, how long will that last when heat comes back? No time at all. Doesn't matter the source. If it goes into all these different directions, it can't stay tied to the source. It'll dry up. But if it flows as one, doesn't matter how big, but it is one big thing flowing from this source and it stays one big thing and it, it paves this path for itself, carves this path for itself. We know that it, it is more likely to stay for a longer period of time, right? That's, that's simple. That's common. There must be one flowing stream, strong, moving as one. If we are to be this water, this spring of water in this place, in this dry and scorched place, if we are to breathe this spring of water whose waters do not fail, we cannot be many little streams. We must be one stream that flows. And in Ezekiel 47, again, it says that the river is flowing as one. It said there were many trees on either side, but the river was flowing as one. Last week, the prayer that the Lord taught me to pray. The thing that he instructed me was the prayer for last week. And still is the prayer for this week and forevermore, but that his presence would overtake our hearts. I was fascinated with that thought. I can't fully comprehend what it is to have the presence of God overtake my heart. I, I can't put it into words. I've experienced it, but I can't put it into words what that is. I couldn't teach somebody what it is to have the presence of God overtake your heart. But he had, he had us praying that last week. And I know why, in, in, in greater clarity now, because of the reminder that he has for us this week. And as we saw in the story with Billy Graham, which is just awesome because if you know the story of Billy, Billy Graham, you know that the Lord answered his prayer. He asked for him to do it again and he did it again. But it wasn't that his prayer, it wasn't, it wasn't his prayer necessarily. It wasn't 
It's, it's not, I'm not talking about revival right now. I'm talking about the source that led him to lay his knees down in that same place and begin that same prayer that that man had left behind. As soon as he died, that this man would find this, this place where he could sit. He could fall on his knees and he could continue the prayer of John Wesley. What that is, what that points to, is that we see these men separated by life and death, but we see these men led by the same spirit who were of one thirst and one hunger. And that is the reminder this morning. We must be of one thirst and hunger. We must be one desire, unified in it, unwavering from it. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And each day this thirst must drive us to our knees that we would say your will be done your kingdom come and here I am send me that's one of the more profound things that he says in that story is that would you do it again in me and what is so fascinating to me is that they were united in their thirst for revival to come and it wasn't that people would be saved it was that people would just simply know Jesus what did God say to us last week, I just want my people to know me. I just want those that do not know me now, I just want them to know me. I could feel it with such a tenderness and such a heaviness at the same time, sharing that in the Father's heart that he just desires for people to know him. If they knew him, they would find so much of themselves in that place. So many questions would be answered. So much of their turmoil would be put to rest if they just knew him. And that must be what we are united in. We must be of one thirst and one hunger. That each and every day, what drives us is that desire that they would know him. That those around me would know him. That they would encounter him. That they would know Jesus more so and I'm telling you, man, it's sensitive right now. More so than a political opinion. Man, who cares? I was talking to somebody that does not agree with me on many things. And I knew that going into the conversation. But I found myself in the midst of this conversation just like, I really don't care if they don't agree. And I really, why, why, why do I have the view that I have? I, I have a view that I have based on circumstances that surrounded my life that I grew up in. Plain as day. That's not of God. L allowing my view of somebody else or, or what's going on in the world to be determined by the circumstances I have. That's horrible. That's bondage. Even if they're good. But what that also does is that... that prevents me from ever looking at anybody else and seeing that, man... They're just a result of the circumstances they lived in. It's plain and simple. I grew up hunting. Because my grandfather took me. My father did not. He did not grow up hunting. He didn't like it. It wasn't in his things that he was interested in. My grandfather grew up doing it. I lived in the same house with my father. And we had different desires based on our circumstances of upbringing, right? But 
what I'm so grateful for in this time is that the Lord has been teaching me that it is not I who live, but Christ in me, in the depths that that goes. And he, I'm telling you, the second I find myself, he has made this clear to me, the second I find myself on one side of the street pointing at another, and it says right here, uh, that if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness. But he's told me the second I find you on one side of the street pointing at somebody else, I will take this mantle from you. That's scary. That I would be one that was burned in the fire because I made a choice based on an opinion. It's like, I'm, the, I'm not going to do that. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that, I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle opinions or anything like that, but I'm just saying that we have been called to be bridge builders. We have been called to be bridge builders. And we must recognize that we are kingdom citizens, not earthly citizens. So to get caught up in the pol- politicalness of this world is ridiculous because God established it at the request of those that were found in sin. He established government because of a group that would not listen to him and they asked him for it. And we saw how it went. It went very poorly. Saul was horrible. He was great for a moment. But he was always desiring that we would be led by him and only him. Not by man. But we, the church, have forgotten that. We, we do not answer to these worldly issues. I'm not trying to be arrogant, but we are above them. He has called us to be. He has called us to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. He has not called us to get caught up in the chaos of what's going on around us, but to be the lighthouse that those that are stuck in the chaos would see solid ground. We cannot be these people that rise and fall with numbers of a pandemic rising and falling. It can't be us. That can't be us. But there are many people that proclaim the name of Jesus that are terrified. But there are also many people that proclaim the name of Jesus that are like, yeah, I don't care. It's like, that can't be us. We have to be of one thirst and one hunger. Guided only by the Spirit of God. Set apart. Turn with me to Revelation 22. We'll be in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Brightest crystal. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were healing for the nations. Our obedience will bring healing to this nation. I'm telling you right now, I believe that in fullness, but not just this nation, because I don't want to think so small. Allow that to be a small thought for a second. 
that this nation would find healing and restoration. This nation would be brought into the ministry of reconciliation, but not just this nation by our obedience, but the nations of this world would find their healing, find their restoration by the obedience of those in this room. And during this time, we don't need to be found on one side of the street or the other. They don't need to see us operating of the world. They need to see us again. They need to see us set apart. Kingdom citizens. He gave me this vision. It was silly. It's, I mean, and you, I, I was talking with Jay about this. It's, it's so exhausting to try to make an informed and sound decision on, on the things that are going on with the pandemic, just to use wisdom. It's hard to do that because any source that you look at, they have politicized the information. It's like, this is factual information with a political twist. It's like, oh my gosh, I just want somebody to tell me straight up what's going on so that I can just make an informed decision for the people that are around me, and the people that I care about. But it's impossible to do. And I'm grateful for that because the Lord also told me that I need to depend on no one but him. We can't be kingdom citizens that depend on answers from man. We've got to be kingdom citizens that depend on him for everything that he calls us into. Because even in that place, if I read facts and I make a decision, I'm making a decision from those facts instead of obedience to what the Lord has shown me to do. Now, he's given us a sound mind and wisdom, but that doesn't always mean to make the very obvious decision. He has called us to be a mystery. And that doesn't mean that we always look like we have a sound mind. Right? It'll look a little crazy. It'll look, it'll look like a group of men gathering around a home. Praying for a lady that she would know the peace of God. And then the Lord taking her in that moment of obedience. But people didn't see that. They saw a group of men gathered around with hands raised. A home of someone they did not know. And thought, these guys, that don't make any sense. And to also say that we were not there to pray for healing doesn't make a sense to a lot of people. That we were there to pray that the peace of God, the glory of the Lord would be made known to this woman. And it was. But that's what we were there to do. It did not make sense. Some would say that was not of a sound mind. And that's okay. Because we are of one thirst and one hunger. We are sent here for kingdom's business and kingdom business only. And we are the key and we hold the answer and we can deliver that answer, but we must be of one thirst and one hunger. We must be as these men that were separated by many years and by death, they shared one thirst and they found themselves in a common place that the world would know Jesus. And they were praying for places like this, churches like this, in the middle of nowhere, that they would know the truth of God. And people have prayed, many have labored that we could be here today. Many have labored that we could be here enjoying the harvest of today, reaping what others have sown. But we must be found with one thirst and one hunger. Revelation 22 again in verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. 
There will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. I'm telling you, heaven come now. Not later. Heaven can come now. It doesn't have to come later. We don't have to wait for heaven later. We get to establish that here and now. But we must be found with one thirst and one hunger. This community, the world around us, cannot have another group of people that proclaim the name of Jesus that are not unified in his spirit and in his heart. They can't find another group of people that proclaim the name of Jesus that are shaking just as much as they are. That cannot be us. We must be of one thirst and one hunger. We are set apart. We are made for more than what we see coming right now. We are made for more than this pandemic. We are made for more than an election season. We are made for more than this. And we are sent here to reign over it. Not to be caught under it. We are the authority, the ambassadors of heaven sent here to establish the kingdom of heaven here. And we get to do that. We get the honor of doing that by allowing the Lord to lead us, by remaining in the river and allowing the very natural byproduct of remaining in that river and the flow that flows from the throne room of God into, the, uh, into all the earth, when we remain rooted in that place, our, our leaves, the fruit that our life naturally produces. And I'm not just talking about fruit, fruit, because there are trees out there that just have leaves. They don't have fruit yet. But it didn't say when your fruit comes in its season, it will bring healing to the nations. It says your leaves will bring healing to the nations. Leaves are here all the time. There are always leaves on these trees out there. Meaning, we get to bring healing to the nations today and tomorrow and forevermore. Will there be moments where specific fruit is growing? Amen. Yes, there will be. We know that the fruit that is growing right now is kindness. The kindness of God. The kindness of the Spirit of God. That's what he's growing right now in this season. But are there still leaves on the branches? Yes. So we are still meant to be healing to the nations. But when do the leaves stop growing? We took down several trees on Wednesday night. Those leaves stopped growing on those trees when they no longer found water. When they no longer had water as their source of life, their life ceased to exist. But if we remain tied to the Spirit of God, this living water that will satisfy everything we need because it brings in it purpose. It brings in it direction. We don't have to make a choice on where we're supposed to go. All we got to do is sit in the river and it will guide us into the places we're meant to be. It'll give us purpose. It'll give us direction. This river, when we find ourselves in this living water, we become these trees that produce fruit in its season, but whose leaves that grow year round Bring healing to the nations. 
healing to the nations. That this river, because we remain rooted, would flow through the streets of Sundown, would flow through the streets of Leveland, Texas, would flow through the streets of Lubbock, Texas. Because the children of God have remained rooted in it. And that we would see in this time, what a beautiful time for us to be reminded of the fact that our leaves bring healing to the nation. What a time of healing this nation needs. It needs it desperately. But it doesn't need more people making more decisions. It needs the sons and daughters of God to be revealed and to live as they've been called to live. Because God established man's relationship with him first. And then he established man's relationship with one another. And then, hundreds of years later, he established government. We hold the key. We have the answer to bring healing to this nation. And if we are found with one thirst and one hunger, that the kingdom of God would be made known, that the kingdom of God would be established, and that all do, that do not know him would find themselves in him and would know the heart of God for them. If we are united in that one thirst and that one hunger, being driven by nothing else, we will see a nation healed. I'm telling you, I don't know why the Lord does this. I told you last week, I don't understand. I'm terrible at math. But he has shown me these equations. This plus this will get this. There is a byproduct when we operate in who he's called us and what he's called us to operate in. You want to see fruit? Remain in the river. You want to see the nation healed? Remain in the river. Do we want to see peace that surpasses all comprehension? Walk in thankfulness. Do we want to see our light shine forth like the dawn? Do we want to see healing rise up mightily and quickly? If we want to see that, then show kindness to your neighbors. It says that right there in Isaiah 58. Feed the hungry. Shelter the homeless. Clothe the naked. Be kind. Show kindness. And your light shall break forth like the dawn. Your gloom be like the noonday, and healing will rise up mightily and with urgency. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.